Oops, wrong direction. Um, it's really good to come together this morning. I I want to I want to say we don't do this probably often enough, but I want to thank our worship team today. I think you all today really came bringing it, and it it brought something for the rest of us. And I think the, a lot of other people came bringing it too, and that did something for me. It does something. When we come together, ready, trusting God, and ready to see what he does. So can we, can we give a hand to our worship team and thanks to them. <clears throat> yeah. They, they put in a lot of hours on a weekly basis, really kind of practicing and getting ready, and, and it, it does a lot to boost all of us and help us in our walk with God connect with him. We, oh, I got to mention this, this, and this is on me, but there was a mistake in our bulletins, and the notes that you have for the message today are last week's notes. From last week's message. And so, sorry about that. Uh, those were really good notes. So, you can, if you weren't here last week, you can listen to the message online and you got built in notes ready to go. Uh, and actually, today, it's, it, the, the, it's really simple. There are basically three points I'm going to talk about. And so, I encourage you to jot these down on, somewhere on that bulletin or a scrap of paper or notebook if you, if you have that. We're talking about confidence in prayer. And not just praying, but coming to God with the confidence that He hears us, that He wants us to come to Him, and that He wants to do powerful things through that process. And have you ever noticed that just in life, sometimes unexpectedly good things happen just because someone is confident? Like, people can fake it. They may have no reason to be confident, but because they're confident, it tends to work out a lot of times. Now, you know, that can backfire too. But it's amazing how often what confidence produces. And I just was reading the Manhattan Mercury, the, the local paper, yesterday, the weekend edition. And there was a story about uh, Joshua Davis, who is the author of the book that is the common book for K-State this year. How, any of you, I know got a lot of K-State students. Anyone actually read that book? That's the book that's recommended for... You know, I'm not testing you. You're not judging the rest of you. I'm just curious. All right. So every year, K-State says, hey, this is a book we'd like our K-State community to read to help us, you know, think about the same topics and be in this conversation and, and be a family. And on, I think it was Friday, Joshua Davis, who was the author of this book, came to K-State and spoke. And the name of his book is Spare Parts, Four Undocumented Teenagers, One Ugly Robot, and the Battle for the American Dream. And so it's an interesting story about four four undocumented kids from Phoenix who were part of this basically poor high school, but they built this robot that didn't look like much, but it actually beat the students from MIT in a competition. And, but the story of the author, Joshua Davis, was, I think, even more interesting, or just as interesting. And did any of you go hear him speak, by chance? Oh, yeah, okay, wow, several of you, yeah. So I trust it was as interesting in person or more so than the, the paper. But what was crazy is that this guy graduated from college with a degree in macroeconomics. And I know we got at least one economics PhD person in the room and maybe some other economics students. But the challenge with an economics degree is sometimes the jobs aren't there. And so this guy, that was the case for him. He got a degree in macroeconomics, so he's like a smart guy and all these like big theories. And... He gets a job as a data clerk. Now, I don't even know what a data clerk is, but that's like the two most boring words put together in a job title. The data 
clerk. And that's how he felt about it. He was incredibly bored. I mean, I think it was basically like some sort of data entry job. And he was like, oh my goodness, I got this degree? Like, I know, you know, I studied world economics, and now I'm entering data. And where is my life going? This is really, really depressing. So he was very bored, very discouraged, living in San Francisco doing this job. And one day he happened to see an advertisement for the U.S. National Arm Wrestling Championships that were going to be happening there in San Francisco. And so he's like, you know, my life is boring. This sounds kind of interesting. I wonder what it's all about. So he, he went to the, the National Cha- Arm Wrestling Championship, and somehow not only did he, did he spectate, but somehow someone invited him or talked him into participating as a contestant. And if you see this, I just saw his picture, but he's like a tall, skinny, white guy. All right? he, does, he does not look like an arm wrestler. So he had two matches. He lost them both very quickly, I presume. But the thing is, you know, arm wrestling is not that big of a deal in the U.S. And there are only three other contestants in the lightweight division that he was part of. So he ended up getting fourth place. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. I got fourth place in arm wrestling by losing two matches. But a couple of weeks later, he got a phone call, and they were like, hey, this is the U.S. Arm, Re- arm Wrestling Champion, or whatever, Arm Wrestling Federation. And we're sending a delegation to the World Championships in Poland in six months. And the person who got second and the person who got third can't go. So you're next on the list. So will you go? And he's like, what the heck? Sure, I'll go. I'm a data clerk. I mean, I've got to do something. So he, I mean, yeah, I think there's a level of confidence, first of all, that, that he entered the ring to, to arm wrestle these guys, and then to say, okay, I'll go face the best in the world. And so he goes to Poland and has a couple matches there. Um, his most memorable is against a guy called the Russian Ripper. And once again, he, he trained for six months. You know, he did his best to build his bicep strength. But he lost all his matches once again. He came in dead last. He got back home, and he had a neighbor who was a journalist. And the guy said, hey, you sh- that's just a kind of a crazy story. Maybe you should write this story down. And so... This guy, Joshua, Joshua Davis, writes an article about his story, sends it off to s- several magazines, and uh, Maxim picks up his article and publishes it. And there's this funny story that's published. And that actually opened up a whole new world to him. He was like, wow, I can do this. I can, I can write. And I can write about interesting, interesting things. And then uh, Wired magazine called him up and said, hey, we read this article, and you were a good writer. The Gulf War just started. Um, would you go to Iraq, or the Iraq War just started? Would you go to Iraq and report on your observations? So he went to Iraq as a journalist and wrote about the war. And he, he became a journalist and opened up this whole new world. But it all started, I'll stop there. There's, we could go on and on with his life story. But it all started because he had confidence to do something he didn't feel like he should be doing. And that's really what prayer is like for us a lot of times. Like when it comes to prayer, there's, there are all sorts of reasons for us to feel like, to feel a lack of confidence about praying. There's the whole like, I'm saying these words and are they getting past the ceiling? Like is anything happening with this? Is, is there a God? Uh, there's there's that, whole, that whole aspect of it. 
And then there's the whole aspect of, yeah, I, 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 prayer is good for like Mother Teresa, but I'm not, I've got, I'm not a very good person. I feel pretty unworthy. And is God really, do I have a right to come before God and have Him answer my prayers? And God wants to give us a confidence in, in all of our life. And it's interesting, when you read the Bible, you read the story of one of the marks of people that are followers of Jesus is they are bold and courageous and confident. And we often think of, okay, a follower of Jesus, that means they're going to be really nice and boring. But when you read the, in the Bible, the people who follow Jesus, that's really not what they were like. They actually weren't very nice a whole lot of times. And the courage and boldness and confidence was more a mark of their life. And but where that confidence in the world comes from, where that confidence in life comes from, is because they were confident before God. And if you can have a confidence before the creator God of the universe, before the most holy God of the universe, if you can have a confidence before him, that translates into a confidence and a courage in the rest of our lives too. And that's what God has for us. In Hebrews 10.35, we're told, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. And as we're talking this month about prayer, I really believe God is wanting to take each of us, inviting each of us to come up to a new level of prayer. And that's, again, not just like, okay, I'm a more moral person because I pray more. But prayer is really about, no, I am in right relationship with God. He cares about me. And He invites me to participate with Him and what he's doing in the world, through listening to him and agreeing with him in prayer. And God is, is calling us up to that. And that takes a confidence. And we're just going to look at where does that confidence come from? And three places where, where confidence in prayer comes from. I mentioned that one of the things that makes us unconfident is feeling that we're unworthy. Is that, is that just me? If, if it's just me, I'll skip this point. But anyone else ever feel like you're, yeah, it's, man, this is horrible. I'm the only one here, no. <laughs> just told everybody I, I feel unworthy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the rest of you who felt sympathy for me and <laughs> raised your hands too. Um, no, we often, we feel that we're unworthy, unworthy. And confidence in prayer, the starting place is, is that confidence in prayer comes from knowing that I am worthy. Knowing that I am worthy to come before God. And you may be going, okay, well, if that's the starting point, then I might as well just quit. Because I, I, I'm not. I'm not worthy. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about that. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, this, the book of Hebrews is all about, it's parallels from the Old Testament and how in the temple there was this whole sacrificial system where there was a priest and sacrifices and things that, that showed that sin had to be atoned for and that, that sacrifices had to be made for sin. And it talks about how Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that. That he is our high priest and he was the sacrifice who was offered once for all so that our sins could be dealt with and we could come into God's very presence. And in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, or hold confidently 
what we're believing and saying. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So if we feel unworthy, we feel temptation, we, we all that, we have a high priest who understands what that's all about. Because he's one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet one big difference, he was without sin. And it goes on and says, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God is telling us right here, hey, you can come confidently, I can come confidently before God's very throne, before His very presence, where He is. Not because of, what a good boy am I, but because we have a high priest who went there for us. And with his death on the cross, he was a sacrifice for our sins. And in in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we're told that for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, Jesus didn't just go to the cross to be an example for us, but that He took our sin and declared that we who believe in Him and turn from our sins and trust in Him are now just as righteous as Jesus. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. that's, That's crazy. Yeah, next week, go ahead, bring your pipe. I'll be cool with that. That Jesus, God declares that we're just as righteous as Jesus. That when He looks at us, He has taken away our sin. And those of us who have believed in Him and turned from our sin and trusted in Him, He's taken away our sin and declared us and made us to be, in our innermost part, the righteousness of God. And so that's where our confidence can come from. Not because of, man, I had a good day, not because, oh, I, had it. I, did, I can't because I had a bad day. But it's no, Jesus is my righteousness. He has made me righteous. His blood has shed for me, and that's what makes me who I am. And I can, because of that, just like Jesus can stand before God, I can stand before God. Now, there are two reasons for not feeling worthy. Um, two reasons that we don't feel worthy. One is that We're not worthy. And that is that if you have not yet come to that place of recognizing that you're a sinner and turning from your sins and trusting in Jesus and each one of us, before we came to that place, we weren't worthy. We didn't have a right to come before God. We didn't have a right to be confident before God because our sins separated us. And so, you know, our culture tends to say, hey, no, just, you know, think nice thoughts and you're really a winner. But you got to start out by realizing, no, I started out in... I, I'm, I am unworthy, apart from Christ. And so, to have confidence, if you have never come to that place, then it starts with owning up to know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And so, if that's where you're at, then God invites you to come to that place. But for those of us that have come to that place, that have received the forgiveness of sins that Jesus brings, we oftentimes still feel unworthy. And in that situation, the reality of what's happening is that 
our feelings and our thoughts don't match what God says is true about us. That what we were feeling isn't the same as what is really true. And that's the place where it's a matter of us believing, choosing to believe what God says and not what we feel. That's what in that passage in Hebrews 4 it says, hold fast our confession. That means hold on to what we believe to be true. Hold on to know Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my all in all. Jesus has made me this. That's my confession. All right, I, I feel like scum, but man, that's, there's an enemy who hates me and who's lying to me. And I've got all sorts of feelings. That it doesn't really matter what my feelings say, but this is what's true. And so, if we're going to have confidence in prayer, a lot of times it comes down to saying, okay, I, I can't just go off of my feelings. I've got to go off of what God says to be true. And that's a renewing of our mind, taking, that, taking those thoughts upon ourselves. Um, there's also this aspect of, it was interesting that there was a story in, in, in John where Jesus, right before he was crucified, he washed his disciples' feet. And that was an act of humility. He, he got down and he washed their feet and, and cleaned them. And at first, his, Peter, his disciples, said, No, Lord, don't wash my feet. That's, you know, I should be washing your feet. That's, you know, that, that's, you shouldn't be doing that. That's too, too much of an act of humility. And Jesus said, hey, no, if, if you don't do that, you have no part in me. And then Peter said, oh, well, then, wa- then wa- give me a bath. Like, wash all of me then, if that's the case, because I want a part of it. I want it to be connected with you. And Jesus said this. He said, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken. So you don't need me to wash all of you. You just need me to wash your feet. And I think that's a lot of times how those of us who are believers are. Like, we are already clean because of the word that God's spoken to us. But in the course of life, our, our feet get dusty. Our feet get dirty through, through weariness, through succumbing to temptation. We, we succumb to sin. We're, we're still clean, but you know, every, every time we, we sin, there is something that affects our, our psyche, that affects our, our consciousness and our, and our soul. And it, it's a matter of not saying, oh man, I'm a horrible loser, I'm unworthy, but it's... It's like the difference between taking a bath and just getting your feet washed. It's like, okay, yeah, there is some stuff. And, okay, I need to deal with that. I need to wash my feet. I need to spray them off a little bit. And that's not, okay, God, yeah. Well, I, I lost my temper with my wife. Again. And, oh, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, whatever it is. And coming to God and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry, I turned from that. I, or I, maybe it's bigger, you know. But it's, those things, we do need to deal with those things. But it's from a place of realizing, but that's not who I really am. And who I really am is the righteousness of God. And that's who God made me. So confidence in prayer comes from knowing that I'm worthy. That that help anybody out? Good. Any, I don't usually do this, but any questions about that, how that works? You don't need to ask him. Only if someone's got one. All right. Good. Second place confidence in prayer comes from is, well, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. This is the, the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and taught us how to pray. And verse 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The second place that confidence in prayer comes from is putting God's desires above our desires. Putting God's desires above ours. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with having desires and wants and needs. You know, when I... It's a good thing to pray through the Lord's Prayer as kind of a model and apply it to your life. And when I do that, I get to the line, give us this day our daily bread. I never have a hard time thinking about what that means for me. Like, okay, what's my daily bread? What do I need? What are the, <coughs> what are the, the areas of, of need in my life? And that's a good thing. There are, you know, God, God wants to provide for food and drink and the finances that we need. He wants to provide for educational success and career success. For many of us, he wants to provide a spouse and a family and you know, things that, that, we want, that we want, our desires. Those are, those are not bad things. But it's when they become the ultimate thing that it's out of whack. That when we're looking to those things as our fulfillment, as our God, really, that's when it's out of whack. And it's interesting how Jesus, he, he says, no, pray like this. First of all, our Father in heaven, your name is hallowed. Your name is set apart. It's all about you. You're the one this whole thing's about. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, that's the first thing to pray. It, this is, it's about your priorities, your values, your will, your kingdom, your agenda. Yeah, man, that's, that's what I want to see first. And then, give us this day our daily bread. And it's interesting how, you know, first of all, our natural desires are always subordinate, should always be subordinate to kingdom desires. And, but as we, as we do that, there's a real confidence that comes. I, um, I started out my life in vocational ministry as a campus minister, and still kind of am a campus minister, and and, and the way that was funded was I went out and talked to people about what I believe God had called my wife Reagan and I to do and bringing the gospel to college students and asked people if they would partner with us through prayer and finances so that we could be work as a full-time job out on the college campus. And all of our College of Greatness staff do that. And there were numerous times where I got to a place in this process of trusting God and building this partnership team where it was like, 70% done, and I had nobody else left to talk to. And I didn't know what to do. And that need became so pressing in my life. It was like, all I could think about is like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get this, like, man, how are we gonna live? How is this gonna happen? How am I gonna move forward with my life? And so it becomes a place where like, you tend to just be, be consumed with the, the latest you know, pressing need in your life. But numerous times, what really broke that off of me was coming back to the point of like, well, no, no, wait a minute, God. This isn't my idea. Like, I wouldn't be doing this, like, this, if it was just my idea. But I'm doing this because I believe this is my role in your kingdom. This is the path you've laid out for me to do. And so if you've put me on this path, then you're the one that's got to bring it about. And really, I don't have the pressure. Like, this, you're the one who's, who's called me into this. You're the one who's promised. And so I can trust you to bring it about. 
And God, I'm going to go into that appointment. It's not about me. It's not about convincing people how great I am and trying to convince them to partner with me. But it's like, no, God is God, and he's advancing his kingdom in the world. And the college campus is a great place to see that happen. And, man, is that something that stirs your heart, too, that God might be joining you to be part of? And that totally changes everything. And that's how it is for anything in our life, whether it's, you know, things I listed, financial things or clothes or a house or a spouse or whatever it is. It's, those may be good things, but they're not the first thing. In Psalm 37.4, I, I love this scripture. The psalmist writes, and he says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. There's, God wants to give us the desires of our heart. But, that, but sometimes, the truest desires of our heart need to be adjusted by setting our mind on delighting ourselves in God first. And delighting ourselves in God, it's like transposing a piece of music to a higher key. Delighting, when we delight ourselves in God, it transposes our natural desires to become kingdom desires. It does something to those, and it, it kind of washes them. We're, we, they lose the power of our life, and they're actually so much better what God wants to do for us. But it only happens as we, as we put God's desires above our desires. All right, so, but there's a confidence then that when you come before God knowing, hey, it's not about my desire. It's not about me trying to get what I want. But God, not only am I worthy, but I'm asking for the very things that you want to do. There's a confidence that comes that we know God's going to come through in that place. And then the, the third thing we're going to talk about. Let's look at John chapter 15, 7. But the third, the third place where we get confidence in prayer is from a, what's called abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ or being close in our relationship with God. John 15, 7 says this. If you abide in me, this is Jesus speaking. If you abide in me, if you are connected to me, and the whole analogy here is like a vine, like a grapevine that has branches coming out of it. And so he's saying, hey, you're the branches, I'm the vine. If you're abiding in me, if you're connected in me, if you're drawing your, your life and energy and resources from me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And that's enough to make you confident right there. He says, if you're abiding in me, and my words are abiding in you, everything you ask me, I'm going to do it. That's a promise. Everything, whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. And there's just, again, it's, it's, as, it's similar to the last one, but as we're close to God, as we're coming before Him and realigning our, our life with Him, but, but beyond that, being connected to Him, building our friendship with Him, spending time with Him, talking to Him throughout the day. There is a confidence that comes from that. That from that place, we see God's heart. And we're like, man, that person needs to know God. And God, I want to pray and trust you that you bring someone in their life. You give me the words to say to her. There's, God, that, man, that person's got a financial need. God, I know you want to come through. We get God's burdens. We get God's heart. We pray for those things. God, we know that, and you said the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. God, I want to see. 
I want to see something happen on my dorm floor. That people are coming to know you. God, I want to see something happen in this state. Our, we start to, we get God's heart and we pray it. And there's a confidence that it comes about. And that's it's so good. It's interesting that it, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. There's the whole idea of, man, how do you abide in God? Like that, you know, that sounds kind of mystical. And, and it kind of is. There's kind of no way around it. We're having a relationship with a being that you can't see. He's a spirit. So there's a mystical element to that. But he says, abiding in him is very closely connected to his words abiding in us. Because Jesus is the word. And he gives us his word. And this Bible is the word of God. And so there's, there's something about reading God's word. Listening to message, messages where God's word is spoken. Thinking about God's Word. Being saturated in God's Word. Letting our minds be washed. All those other thoughts be washed away. And having God's Word come in. That is supernatural. And as we abide in God's Word, as His words abide in us. Now we are, every uh, Sunday at 9.15, we have a prayer time. And I invite all of you to come to that. You know, be, come to that once a month. Come to that twice a month. It's such a great time. And we were praying this morning. And Him prayed. Him right here on the second row. And she said, yeah, Lord, just like you know, in the book of Daniel, those people, they, they stood up for you and they didn't care what the king said. And they risked being killed in the fiery furnace. And God do, caused people to be like that, something like that. And I was like, you know what? That was a faith-filled prayer. And I bet him it was reading the book of Daniel. That's, because that's what happens. You know, you're reading the Bible and faith comes and you get ideas and you get closer to God and something stirs inside of you, and then faith and confidence comes out of that. And so, man, the more we're saturated in God's Word, the more we're renewing our mind and washing our mind with God's truth and God's Word, the more that we come to God and pray in confidence. All right, so, man, that's, I'm just excited about this. Just the more I think about this, wow, we, can come, we come before God. And He gives us His ideas and His heart and His burdens and we lift them up to Him. And that is a means of us experiencing what He wants in our life. And that's a means of what He wants us to participate with Him in and bringing that life to others too. And, man, I just want to leave that with you. That, man, may, may, may you move forward in confidence in prayer. May, may your desires change more and more to be God's desires. And, but to know that, no, He has made you worthy. And to come into that place and experience. I, there, there's nothing like the, some of the experiences that we have. I mean, sometimes prayer is hard work. Sometimes it's you don't feel anything. But there are times in that place of, of just experiencing all that God, of what God has for us in ways that we don't experience any other way. And so, worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. We're going we're gonna to worship God with one more song and... I just want to pray for us and ask that God would help us to, to come into this place of confidence in our relationship with Him and in prayer. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the high calling 
and the privilege of living in your courts, living in your throne room, living before you. Lord, I pray this morning that you would, by your Holy Spirit, you would increase the level of our confidence in you. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in in what you have done in us and who you have made us to be through the blood of Jesus. Lord, if there are areas that need to be sprinkled, need to be need to be washed afresh in your blood. When we come to you this morning to present those things to you. Say, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We need your grace in those areas. We need your forgiveness. We need your work in those places. Lord, would you make our desires your desires? Would you lift us up beyond the the level of our own needs and problems? Lord, would you help us to see the higher calling of your kingdom, of you being glorified in the world, of you being set apart, us being a part of that, and and as we do that, having all our needs met too, in in gracious ways, would lead us more fully into fellowship with you, into friendship with you, we thank you for that, thank you so much for what you've done, thank you for what you're doing, rejoice in that, in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, you stand.